Hello everybody, Mitch Michaels here. It's time for the Money Mitch Effect. Another episode, a short one today. We got to talk college football. The playoff field is set. I brought Matt Wittenberg, good friend of mine, works at the NFL Network, on to debate and discuss everything that went down on Conference Championship Weekend, the Power Five Conference Championships, and some smaller games as well. Ohio State wins the Big Ten. They get left out. Alabama is in the playoff. We break down all the matchups, look a little bit ahead to those matchups, and, and try to get a sense of why the committee did what they did. It's an interesting college football discussion. Matt Wittenberg on the Money Mitch Effect. Here it is. Time to start the show. All right, Money Mitch Effect. College football season is over. Just the Bulls and the playoff left. But Matt Wittenberg, thanks for coming back. We still got some uh, some housekeeping to do on a wild season. A wild conference championship weekend. Yeah. Well, hey, with how wild the coaching carousel has been this season too i mean yeah what a time to be a college football fan it's certainly never boring no um we're gonna get to the playoff picture and and how it went down in a little bit but i want to give conference championship weekend it's just due and i say weekend because there were big games starting as early as friday right but we, we know that every year conference championship weekend matters this was really like a quarterfinal saturday quarterfinal friday and saturday and a lot of people i put myself in there like the fact that it's a four-team playoff that you had all these unknowns going into a conference championship weekend. Do you think it lived up to the hype in terms of the action on the field? Well, I mean, some of the conference championships were obviously blowout, but with all of the expectations going in and everything and having everything to play for in most of those games, except for maybe the Pac-12 game, I thought that, yeah, it lived up to that hype. And that's I agree with that argument that there shouldn't be an expanded playoff because then it just takes out so much more of the meaning from those games and makes the exclusivity of having four so much more important. So, yeah, I thought that it was obviously I said that I wish the quality of play was a little bit better, maybe a little bit more competitive games outside of the Big Ten game and the American game, which obviously didn't play into the playoff at all, but was still exciting nonetheless. So overall, not a bad weekend. If you take out Miami, everybody (laughs) lived up to the hype. TCU uh, too, maybe. Yeah, I, although I don't think a lot of people really considered it. I mean, they weren't really playing for a, no, no, a chance right. to do it. But, um, yeah, Miami just, God, what a what a terrible performance by them. Last two weeks for them. <laughs> yeah, last two weeks. Uh, and I do think USC, they had that outside-looking-in chance, and I want to start with that game, the Friday night game, which had a good week picks-wise. The one game I didn't get of the Big Five was that one. I thought Stanford was going to roll with the momentum. SC looked as good as they probably looked since that last Stanford game. Mm-hmm. McDonald making throws with the run game back and healthy. What stood out to me with was the defense holding, holding the line at the goal line, but also giving Darnold some time. It, it seemed to me like it was the first game in a while he had some real real protection to carve up the Stanford defense, which he did. Yeah, absolutely. And then you figure him getting his second opportunity to see that defense becomes a little bit more familiar with it. And then that was probably their most complete game of the year up until this point that week three I believe it was matchup at home against Stanford and yeah you gotta give them a lot of credit uh the first time that this Pac-12 South has actually won the Pac-12 since it became since it expanded to 10 team or from 10 to 12 so incredible yeah I mean how about that a streak of what five or six years so yeah you knew it was gonna get broken eventually but yeah you I feel like they should have gotten a lot more consideration I feel like they were slighted finishing eight in the 
final college football playoff rankings. They deserve to at least be ahead of Auburn. Yeah, who had three losses. I think it, what the college football playoff, which we'll break down in a little bit, but what I think it proved was loss, losses matter in terms of quality of loss and how you lose. Ohio State getting punished by getting destroyed mm-hmm. by Iowa and that Notre Dame loss. I think that's the one. That was the loss that, and also Notre Dame team, which, by the way, bottomed out at the end of their season. Yeah, that didn't do them any favors so, either. I think the the playoff committee looked at bad losses in that regard, and uh, I think that's where they got punished. But the other side to look at with is the coaching picture of USC. There's all these coaching rumors around the country and, and things mm-hmm. going on there. Clay Helton is a guy that has been under scrutiny from the Trojan fan base. So a lot of proud fans and proud Trojan alumni uh, weren't thrilled with the hire. And I'm not saying he's one of the best coaches in the country, but the guy's won at a high level, and I think it's clear as day he's earned the right to keep this going and see what he can do going forward. Yeah, absolutely. He's His second year already won 10 games, won 10 games last year. So, I mean, obviously they had a little bit higher aspirations being the top five preseason team and with all of the Heisman hype Sam Darnold had going into the season. But, yeah, I feel like you have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt with those expectations. Like, it's four teams make the playoff. It's the margin <laughs> yeah. for error is extremely thin. I know USC has the tradition and they have those expectations, but if you think that you're going to go out there and hire someone, I mean, the chances of that, someone that to just come in and get you right to the playoff, like you need the continuity you have there with Clay Helton and with the recruiting that they've been able to do. So I feel like they're going to be okay in the long term. It's going to be interesting to see whether, uh, Sam Darnold will come back for another year, which kind of seems to be the way that all of the reports are indicating right now. So next year, the I mean, if he's back for another year, you better believe those expectations are going to be sky yeah. high again. Yeah, and I also think in terms of just a coach like Helton, you always say, what can they do when they take over? Can they keep recruiting? A place like USC is going to recruit itself mm-hmm. very well, but can he get the right players in and keep it going? you know, one or two recruiting classes after the fact, after taking over a job. So I just think, you know, he's unjustly criticized a lot. Um, maybe not the best coach, but definitely one of the uh, upper-tier coaches yeah, in college football. Yeah, he's not like a char- – not necessarily the most charismatic uh, get those fun, like, kind press bland, conference. Yeah, kind set. of bland, just, you know, yeah. was a career assistant for a while, stepped up. I mean, it, not every coaching splash, you know, not every hire has to be a splash. No, so. not at all. If you win stability, 10 so. games a year, hell, I mean, every team in the country outside of maybe Alabama and Clemson will take that. So, <laughs> Yeah, and not too far long ago they would have taken that too. Uh, and I just want to say also, hats off to Bryce Love. I've been, you know, beating the drum and, you know, leading his campaign as That's campaign okay. manager. <laughs> um, he, he had another couple good plays in the uh, USC game, definitely on one ankle. You know, mm-hmm. And that's a shame because I don't know that he ever would have caught Mayfield who's going to win the Heisman in the shoe in, but uh, you'd like to have seen him finish the season healthier. So Yeah, uh, absolutely, and that's really cool. He obviously deserved that invite to go to New York for the ceremony, and he'll continue that uh, proud Stanford Heisman tradition of runner-up <laughs> status. Runner so, up. Hey, how about Lamar <laughs> Jackson, though, getting the third spot? We didn't even have him mentioned on our radar. No, which, that was a little bit of a surprise, too. You know, he is He's a little better in some of the advanced metrics, but I think they just want him there. I, I think they want him on the stage with the other Heisman mm-hmm. winners. Um, actually, who who really cares between three and six or seven? I mean, it's all you're all playing for third right. at this point because there's mean, a clear one and there's a clear two. Yeah, I don't. I guess I thought it might have been Barkley, but he fell off so much from earlier in the season. Taylor, so, uh, yeah, Taylor would have been an option. Uh, 
Rashad Penny from San Diego State should have gotten some consideration. But yeah, you knew that anything, I mean, I, even Bryce Love's invite is kind of a token invite because <laughs> Baker Mayfield's so far ahead and he's going to win it by maybe the widest margin ever. So, but yeah. I'm happy for all three. They, they all deserve to be up there. Yeah, certainly are. Well, we'll have to see what that uh, ceremony is like. Money, Mitch, Effect, Matt Wittenberg, College Football Conference Championship recap. And Saturday is where the drama really began. First off was Oklahoma just absolutely taking care of business. It was a clinical-like performance. A game that was actually one score at halftime, but no points for TCU in the second half. Baker Mayfield came out both halves really on fire, the second half in particular a feather in the cap of a playoff caliber season and a Heisman Mm -hmm. campaign. But I got to say, it was that defense in the second half. Oklahoma's much blind defense shutting out TCU. That was maybe the first moment I thought this team could go all the way. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fair. I don't know how many times that defense has been torched by huge plays playing that against those spread Big 12 offenses. But, yeah, I still... I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out against Georgia. Obviously, we'll get to that a little bit later. But an all-around, probably as impressive a performance other than Clemson's debacling of Miami this past weekend. So, yeah, they're going in with a ton of momentum. Obviously, they're going to have the Heisman can't the Heisman winner leading <laughs> the charge. So, yeah, an impressive offense as always. So, it's going to be interesting to see if, how that defense carries over. But hats off to them and the first ever actually not first ever, but newly first ever 10-team yeah. Big 12 Conference Championship, which was uh, I, interesting. So <laughs> I don't think either of us expected TCU to be that caliber team to win this game, but we did in the back of our minds think it would be so Big 12 they just screwed themselves out of a playoff spot with this unnecessary conference championship <laughs> yeah. game. Yep, uh, yeah, that would have been some uh, poetic justice, if you will. But there is also the fact that you watch a guy like Baker Mayfield play and you see that he's just probably the best, definitely the best quarterback this year. Definitely probably the best since Manziel in terms of improvisation. Yeah. When yeah, it breaks down, super he's at comparable. his best. And it's almost the case where, not to get too schematic, but you don't want to blitz this guy because they have the athletes on the outside. He can run. He can, you know, he's four eight four nine speed, but he looks a lot faster. Mm-hmm. He's, he's built pretty good that he can get away from the first contact. A lot of athletes on this team. I think if you if it's chaos, that's where he thrives. Yeah, and then with him just buying time, running around, gives his wide receivers and tight ends ample time to get open. So you're probably right. That might be the safest approach, and I'm not sure if any teams really stuck to it. I'll have to go back and see what uh, Iowa State did to them, but I think that game was more of Iowa State just outscoring them. So it's going to be interesting to see how Georgia plays it. I feel like, yeah, they – probably had the personnel to be able to hold one-on-one with their wide receivers for an extended amount of time and they have the front seven to generate a pass rush without blitzing so yeah this is really i mean both games though but i'm really looking forward to that rose bowl should be good and then i do want to just get this out of the way clemson dominant just yeah, utterly dominant from the first snap to the last best team in the country that's where they're number one and the defending chance, but I mean... And a loss that just woke them up. When they lost to Syracuse, it was a bad loss. It was one that they could have eked out. Things didn't go their way, but they weren't playing at their top form. Since then, they've been lights out. Yeah, absolutely, and well-deserved. I mean, I'll include myself in it. Not many people thought that they'd be back without having Deshaun Watson, but they didn't miss a beat other than the Syracuse game with some injuries in that game and Kelly Bryant going down. But 
I mean, that defense is scary good. That, that defensive line is going to have just, three guys drafted in the first two rounds, maybe even the first round. So I didn't yeah, think Miami was going to score. Like early on, it was very obvious that Miami was going to have real trouble getting a first down. Yeah, Miami's offense ever since that Notre Dame game sort of fell off a cliff. They had the scare against Virginia, and then obviously got beat at Pitt, and then this game. So, yeah, I mean, I think Mart Rick's going to do fine there. It's just, yeah, a little bit of a (laughs) sour note to end on. You know, they overachieved early, and I think it built up expectations a little unfairly. Uh, The injuries played a factor. They're not Mm -hmm. winning this game with a full, healthy roster, but. Uh, having injuries definitely crippled them. And, and look at the other side of that. Clemson is too deep, three deep at a lot of skill positions. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So then. Bryant's gotten better as the season's gone on. He's making better decisions. He's you know protecting the ball. Um, a lot of th- early in the season, they turn the ball over a little unnecessarily. But let's not make any mistake about it. They're riding that defense. That is what's going to be the difference. From the moment they beat Auburn thirteen to six early on, you saw this was championship level defense. I'd say better than last year's defense. Yeah, that's hard to argue with. Obviously, offense probably a little bit worse than last season. But, I mean, it's the old adage that defense wins championships because it's true and that defense is able to travel. So they're able to go into those hostile environments, which they might kind of face a little bit of a hostile environment down in uh, the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans with that well-traveling Bama crowd. So it's going to be fun to watch. Before we get to the two big games, I want to give some credit to some of these smaller schools. You know, Johnny Freshwater, Joey Freshwater, whatever he's going by these days. <laughs> Saltwater, I think it is now. Saltwater now? Okay. Well, Lane <laughs> Kiffin has done a great job at Ford Atlantic, and I'm, I'm actually surprised he's still the coach of that team, to be perfectly honest. But I think he'll be leaving soon. Maybe not this year, but... Yeah, I feel like within the next two seasons, for sure, he'll jump to another Power 5 job. But yeah, him and his... Uh, team of uh, the last chance you cast they they did really well he's got his brother as the defensive <laughs> coordinator he's got last chance you up and down that roster and they haven't even been in a close game the last couple weeks no no they had that uh fight against navy which they got beat pretty good in but that's start at the start of the season so yeah it's been a interesting ride i mean i can't say that i saw it working out this way for him but I can't say that Florida Atlantic's ever really been on my radar. So if nothing else, he's been great for the publicity for that school uh, down in Boca. And then did you expect to be at a point where the best games of the week involved Central Florida <laughs> for the last couple weeks that's of the season? insane. How about that? But, but that's where we are. And Scott Frost, again, was a 62-55 to 55 in OT. Mm-hmm. They win that game over Memphis. Over Memphis. Memphis, who... Again, you know, Memphis got destroyed by this team earlier in the season. So what they were able to do is remarkable of itself. That receiver was unstoppable mm-hmm. down the stretch for them. Turnover in the, in the red zone, in the end zone, really wins it for Central Florida. A perfect season for Scott Frost, and then he announces what we already knew. Yeah, He's going to Nebraska. Hard to argue with a guy going back to his alma mater, a team he quarterbacked and won a national championship with, and quite frankly, could absolutely use him. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... They knew that they had had to hit a home run with this hire with how bad the Mike Riley years have been there in uh, Lincoln. So I can't fault the guy at all. It's a really cool gesture that he's going to be still coaching them in the Peach Bowl against Auburn. Auburn, excuse me. But, yeah, good for Scott Frost. I mean, took over an 0-12 team, finished 6-7, and I think, in his first year, and then to a perfect season Incredible. in year two. So. You can't ask for any more than that, and good for him for taking advantage of that opportunity and having the chance to go back home. A dynamic play caller as well. 
Remember, he was Oregon's offensive coordinator mm-hmm. uh, in that run to the title game. So this is a guy that knows exactly what he's doing. I'm excited to see how it turns out. Um, I think Nebraska, hey, they play Michigan game one, and there's a little beef there. There you go, yeah. Hardball. But Hardball's <laughs> beefing with everybody, D'Antoni and – you know, it's tough when you're fourth in your own side of the division. Yeah, and haven't beaten up. any of your rivals yeah. the last couple seasons. Better, so. better beat Nebraska week one. That's how <laughs> All right, Money Mitchell, Fett, Mac, Mac, Wittenberg. It is time to talk SEC title game. Georgia Bulldogs, after getting embarrassed by Auburn in their only loss of the season, they go on to beat Auburn 28-7 to in the rematch game, book their spot in the playoff, a game that a lot of people – thought and questioned, I should say, how can Georgia make the adjustments in a short amount of time? But I keep coming back to one thing. In that game against Auburn, they fall behind early, they panic, they start throwing the ball, they get away from their bread and butter. Absolutely. This game down 7 nothing. no panic, we're still going to run the ball, and they come back and win. Just remarkable stuff and uh, a, a real teaching tool, I think, for the Bulldogs. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, And it helps them having the chance to play the game in Atlanta uh, in front of a largely Georgia-favored crowd. So that doesn't hurt. I mean, Jordan Hare is a tough stadium play, and so that obviously set in some of the panic for them in that game a couple weeks ago. But yet you, you're you absolutely right. you got to ride what got you there. And it's those two running backs, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, and not putting that much pressure on Jake Fromm to make 30-plus throws a game. No, he played great, though. He did. I, I he, don't did. Wanna, you know, he played a lot better than he did. I just think the design helped him do that. But... From making plays and that Georgia D getting back to what they're known for, getting after the quarterback. Stidham did not look great, and I think that was largely due not to just accurate throws, but he was running for his life most of that second half. Yeah, it was complete night and day between the game against, even the game he played against Alabama the week before with how much time he had to throw. So, yeah, that's the blueprint that Auburn or that Georgia had to follow. They followed it to a T, and even. Swift, their third running back, was making plays at the end of that game. So it's a, it's a tough team to attack when you know that, you know that they're going to run it, and when you know that and you can't stop it, then you're not going to have a successful day. So and even when they weren't scoring, they were winning the field position game. Exactly, we're going to run and flip the field and pin you deep, and then give our offense chance. Uh, I just thought that was great, and I thought you know Georgia did what few thought they would do, win the SEC title game their first time in 35 years. I think Herschel mm-hmm. Walker was on the team the last time. Great to see him and Bo, by the way, back, you know. Yeah, absolutely. At center, at the, Representing uh, their uh, <laughs> alma maters at that game, too. Yeah, two of the coolest alum, football alumni, I think, out of any school. Oh, so. well, <laughs> we were having this discussion. Like, if you went to either of those schools, you have to have a jersey, right? No doubt, you yeah. To, like, those are the guys. I'm partial to school. Georgia, so, I mean, I'm even considered getting a Herschel Walker jersey yeah. every now and again, so. It was good to see. I mean, Auburn, a three-loss team, but a hell of a season for them, given all that they went through. Um, Beating and Alabama. On, and Mel's on staying, too, which I didn't really think would happen. No. There was doubt even up until the day he signed the contract, but he wants to keep it going. Uh, I, he's in, what, his early 50s, I want to say? Yeah. He's, There's still time to go to Arkansas. That's that's why I'm bringing that up. Yeah, that might be the golden, golden years <laughs> job for him, yeah. the retirement tour, if you will. But, yeah, I mean <laughs> – a great season for them. Win the West, beat Alabama. That never hurts. Obviously, I guess it's a little bittersweet once you see Alabama make the playoff. But, yeah, a great season. And Jared Stidham proved to be every bit as good as we thought he would be once he transferred in from Baylor. So, yeah, if, if Auburn has a quarterback, they're always one of those dangerous teams. 
Yeah, and Melzahn knows he knows how to move the ball. He can do it in the SEC, the hardest conference to do. So they'll be there. Uh, but it was tough. They had a murderer's row schedule, and you know one of the teams finally got him. It was bound to happen. It's tough to beat a team twice, too. So that's something to take into consideration. It is. And then lastly, but certainly not least, Ohio State, Wisconsin, way closer than a lot of people thought it would be, even while this game was going on. Buckeyes win 27-21. to mm-hmm. Wisconsin a valiant effort, but their undefeated season falls in the Big Ten title game. Buckeyes win the Big Ten, win this conference championship game again. And I got to say, first of all, Whit, it was clear who had the athletic advantage on the field. It was Ohio State. Every time they got their playmakers the ball in space, you knew good things would happen. Yeah, yeah. Wisconsin obviously reaping the benefits of that really easy schedule which everyone was holding over their head up until this game but had they won this game they would have absolutely deserved been an undefeated conference champion and would have deserved to be the big 10 representative in the playoffs so yeah hats off to them for a great season but yeah alex hornybrook couldn't make the throws down the stretch they just kept trying these weird play action plays that he was he was even missing throws on screen passes and that Ohio State front seven's really talented. Secondary's obviously great, as always, too. So JT Barrett obviously made a lot of weird decisions early on, which kept sort of kept yeah. Wisconsin in the game. Pick six, especially. I do want to mention one thing in particular, and that's Barrett, how he was able to play through, obviously, a pretty big injury. I mean, he had surgery less than a week before this mm-hmm. game took place. Very true. Wasn't his best performance. Definitely made mistakes. The pick six comes to mind. It's a bad play throwing and, and even decisions to run but he came through when it mattered converting a couple fourth downs on that last drive and just gritting it out i think this is the perfect game for his legacy he wasn't the best quarterback that ohio state he got had, the win but he got the win he was very reliable when it mattered yeah it's uh it's great when you have a great running back like uh dobbins to lean on in oh, that what situation what a, too so. he is gonna be fun to watch the next couple of years yeah him and and while weber not getting as many car- carries but still having a chance to tote the rock a little so you know in wisconsin I, I do give them tons of credit for coming back in this game their defense made life miserable for barrett um but you know not enough offense late uh i got the sense that meyer was playing to extend the extend the game extend the drive mm-hmm. to eliminate the touches Wisconsin would have when they got that field goal to go up by six. Everyone kind of knew Wisconsin was only going to get one more chance yeah, uh, yeah. at it. And I thought the play of the game, honestly, was uh, Hubbard drawing that holding penalty. Yeah, you mean not for... the uh, turf guy <laughs> fixing the field? No, no, that's a close second. i got to give credit <laughs> to him. What a great job. Under pressure. Yeah, by solo, too. That, that's the part I didn't get until, I guess, that guy with the rake eventually brought out came rakes, out. But... But yeah, who is he? Just trying to <laughs> ride in on his white horse and just save the day. <laughs> but uh, no, the Buckeyes got it done, and and it was funny because you had probably your Alabama contingent. You know, Saban was on Sports Center politicking immediately mm-hmm. after the game, but you had your Alabama contingent that was hoping, please don't win by a lot of points for Ohio State. Probably happy when Wisconsin made a game. But exactly. then I like to think that the light bulb went off like, oh crap, they might win this game. Yeah, if Wisconsin <laughs> actually wins this, then we're screwed. So yeah, I'm oh. sure it was a roller coaster of emotions for the folks down in Tuscaloosa, no doubt. So let's look at this college football playoff picture, Matt Wittenberg, Money Mitch Effect. It was an interesting, I'd say, 12 hours, right? Immediately after the game up until when the, uh, the playoffs announcements were made. Yeah, a lot of politicking, a lot of threads. Who deserves to be in? We weren't sure what the committee would do, and they went with Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama getting that fourth spot with Ohio State just left out. I'm a noted Buckeye fan. I'd say I'm more partial than most, but still, I, mm-hmm. I, can, I can be 
you know, impartial as well. Uh, but I don't have any problem with them missing out on this playoff picture. Uh, everybody had flaws at the bottom. If Bama missed it, it was their own fault for losing to Auburn. And that's how I look at Ohio State missing out. It would have been nice to go. I see the case why maybe they could have gotten in. But two losses are more than one, and they got beat by 31 points against Iowa. So it's it's not hard for me to understand what happened. No, that's essentially what it came down to, I think, going on the road, playing a I was always tough at home, but at the end of the day, they're a seven and five team, and you and Ohio State lost by what thirty. So yeah. that's that's a really tough blemish to ignore. And obviously, when it came down to it, you're comparing two teams with holes in their resume. So if Alabama was undefeated, they would have been no all, issue. But all this proved to me was like we said earlier: it's only about how bad your losses are. Alabama mm-hmm. did not beat many good teams this year. Yeah, but not a terrible. The loss to Auburn was by what like 14 20 maybe but mm-hmm. still it's auburn mm-hmm. on the road yeah. they were in the sec championship game so it's a, it's a little bit more forgivable now, than the no do i Iowa think, do i think alabama had some weight because they're alabama absolutely but that's oh, how there's no doubt work. if it was ohio state versus uh i don't know ucf it would have you know i get how these things work um it was weird though that the committee first time ever put a team in two teams in from the same conference yeah you hey you knew it would happen eventually and that it would probably be the SEC when it did. Something interesting to note from it, too, though, is that so far in the, what is this, the fourth playoff, they haven't led in a team with more than one loss yet. So Yeah, it was going to be one or the other. Exactly, and obviously had uh, Auburn won the SEC championship game, they would have been in with two losses. But when you're getting down to it to compare two imperfect teams in Alabama and Ohio State, then I'm sure that second loss carried a little bit more weight, even though... They had the conference championship game or mm-hmm. conference championship win on their side, but they still were weighed down by those two losses, and one of which was an embarrassing one on the road. I also saw the three seeds never won a game. Oh, in interesting! Yeah. I, I did not kinda, know that. It's kind of an odd, kind of an odd stat. Uh, but I feel, like, I feel like that might change this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma, Georgia. There you go. Um, last year set the precedent. Penn State won the Big Ten, two losses. Didn't get in. A team Correct. in Ohio State in their own conference, who they beat, got in over them. Yeah, same. They, Ohio it's a little State, different each yeah. time, each case by case, but that was a precedent. You don't have to win your conference championship game. And the committee, as Kirk Herbstreet said, we want the best teams. We don't care what the layout is. We want the best teams. And there was an eyeball test that in that you know played into the fact. I like to think Vegas played a part, too, what the <laughs> odds would have been. They think of that. I mean, I think these stuff mat- this stuff matters a little. Yeah. But I don't have a problem. These are four great teams, and, and everybody, like I said, like I like four teams. Win your games. Take care of it on the field, and you'll be there. And that's what Ohio State didn't do. Every team has that opportunity, too, and that's all you can ask for. And, yeah, going back to the sort of the odds aspect of it, I mean, I think you'd probably agree with me on this. Like, there's no team except maybe Clemson that you would favor over Alabama on a neutral field anywhere. Yeah, that's the only one. I mean, even Georgia. Yeah, even Alabama. I opened up as what a one point favorite over Clemson in this yeah. game. So I it'll mean, probably be close to a pick them by the time. No, no, no doubt. But it yeah. just goes to sort of strengthen that four best teams argument that you would pick them against any team on a neutral field. So no, one thing that we do a lot in in our degenerate college football fandom watch parties <laughs> is argue about location of these games. Are you surprised that the Sugar Bowl is Bama Clemson when we didn't know how any of this was going to work? They say proximity and the fact that the 3-2-3 matchup is a traditional Sugar Bowl matchup, SEC versus Big 12. Right. I mean, I 
feel like they do put the I mean, obviously, case in point is they, they do put the emphasis on proximity for the number one team. They don't want the number one team to be at a geographical disadvantage. Right, and this year it's one week. It's not the extra days. You're literally mm-hmm. going on a seven-day streak Monday to Monday. So, obviously, the you send Clemson all the way out to California, then I guess neither team from that standpoint would have an advantage if they're still playing Alabama in that game. But if you're playing in New Orleans, it's so much easier for your fan base to get there. And then same, same time zone and everything as far as preparation goes. So, I mean, I know obviously they hammered at home with this decision and putting the number one Clemson in the sugar bowl, despite the other Southern opponent in that game. So, I mean, that's refreshing to see them like sticking to that sort of formula. So I, I thought it would have been weird had they put the Rose bowl as the one versus four game. I get it. Um, Also, I mean, I get the fan base side, but we're traveling first class now. It's not the old days of the 60s. That's fair. That's fair. You're not taking a train across. So. But no, I mean, the first seat should get say, and that's that's kind of how I see it. And I mean, when it was Bama fourth, it was a slam dunk where the Sugar Bowl is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sucks for Georgia, but hey, you know, you got to win these games. You got to you gotta overcome adversity here. So, um, oh, you know, it's nice that it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Georgia fans to get out to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that's going to be good. If these teams have never played, have they? No, nope, this first crazy, meeting. Crazy, too. Yeah, yeah, and then how about a venue for your first meeting in the Rose Bowl game, which is also happens to be a semifinal. So, yeah, that, that I'm really, really looking forward to that game. Well, I guess we can end this edition of the Money Mitch Effect with just looking at some of these games and some of the other games. Just no picks, just the outwardly. You know, we haven't done our research up to make predictions. Yet. No, we'll, we'll get to that episode. I got to say, tactically, I mean, I'm ready for Bama Clemson, the part three. You know, I'm ready to see what <laughs> the happens. The trilogy. Hurts, yeah, the quest for peace. Um, Hurts still has a screensaver of Clemson celebrating. That's what he looks at every day. I saw wow. that. Which, you know, he knows he wants to beat that team. But schematically, I'm really excited for Oklahoma, Georgia. That's the one that gets me going more. Yeah, that's sort of the two, like, contrasting styles. The spread them out, Big 12, throw it 30-plus times a game. With obviously, going to have the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback against the... Heisman hangover, who knows? Yeah, I mean, the last time Heisman won national championship, I'm trying to think. Cam? Yeah, it had to have been him, yeah. Yeah, Mariota didn't, so Henry did. Did Henry? And J- well, Jameis won the Heisman one. Or so Jameis did it then. No, you're won, right. You're right. Then, yeah. Right. So maybe not as long as the hangovers. But there's thought, been but a there's, few. There's precedent of yeah, the Heisman winner not doing well on the biggest stage. So Bama Clemson's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, that is just going to be full on physical football, and who's going to wear the other down? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's going to be a game. First one to twenty four wins. Yeah, not like last year's title game. Not like last year's title game, but these should be some good games. And the other New Year's Six games, some interesting matchups. Ohio State USC in the Cotton Bowl. We thought this might be the Fiesta Bowl, but these two teams are playing. Luckily, this is, I think everyone would agree, the yeah, next best game. Uh, yeah, no no doubt. It's always weird, yeah, not getting that traditional Pac-12 Big, or Pac-12 Big Ten in the Rose Bowl with it being a yeah. semifinal Another game interesting this fact, this is JT Barrett's 10th bowl game. <laughs> so... so. Yeah, yeah, gotta send yeah. gotta send the old man out a winner. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm extremely excited for this game. I've gotten to see USC quite a bit this season, and Ohio State, I guess for that matter, because their games are always prominently on in our friend circle. So yeah, a lot of uh, should be a very high, not very should be a high scoring game. I mean, I'm it could be Sam Darnold's last game. I mean, I don't think he'll could go be, the JT yeah. Barrett route and spend <laughs> ten years in college. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Ohio State's finally meeting a team that can match up athlete for athlete. That, Even Penn State true. had their studs, but this is athlete for athlete. I'm excited to see how that goes and if Ohio State can expose the USC uh, O-line and vice versa on the other side because USC's got quite the pass rush too. Miami-Wisconsin and the uh, losers of the conference championship game is getting a chance in the Orange Bowl. Could be an interesting game there. But UCF-Auburn's the other one that's yeah. got me going as well. Yeah, that Orange Bowl is going to be pretty low scoring. I feel like that's one first one to 13 wins. So, I mean, obviously I'll tune in, but it's going to be turnover change potential. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hey, Alex Hornibrook, Hornibrook's yeah. king of the turnovers. Yeah. So yeah. UCF, but UCF with Frost against Auburn, oof, it's going to, I don't want to tell my hand, but it's going to take a lot for me to pick UCF in this game. I got to say there's no Malzahn's doubt. Malzahn's back. They're feeling good. They're pissed off about losing. It's always interesting when you get the like sort of non power five power five, yeah. uh, BC, well, not, they're not the BCS games anymore, but in the big time bowls, like, are you going to have a Boise state who gets up for these games and yeah. who might be overlooked by their opponent? Yeah. Or are you going to have like Hawaii, Georgia, who Cincinnati, just gets, the, gets their doors yeah. blown off. So yeah, I, you know, Boise had a better D. You know, UCF's given up 55 to Memphis. Uh, yeah, they can score whatever. though. But I mean, yeah. Auburn's defense is something special. The last too. one is uh, it's Penn State in Washington in the Fiesta game? Bowl. Fiesta? Okay. Yeah. So that could be something. Yeah, too. another uh, mini Rose Bowl not being played at the Rose Two Bowl. Two teams that had playoff aspirations that are upset that they're, this is where they're at too. Yeah, I mean, good consolation prize for them after both of them having a couple losses. It's definitely going to be an interesting game, too. Uh, probably more on the low-scoring side, too. Washington defense, really good. And then Penn State's offense has sort of hit a little bit of a dry patch, I would think, the last few weeks. But Saquon, if Saquon Barkley plays, I mean, I hope he does. You, you want to see the best players playing in these types of games. But, I mean, I guess I can't fault him if he sits out and gets ready for the draft. Now, that's the other thing to consider, who's going to be playing in these games, the, the pro prospects. Well, there's only one game left of the actual season's Army-Navy. We always like to you know catch some of that. The, the Proud Service Academy is going at it. It's a good team. Great there. uniforms this year, too. Great unis. You know, they've done a great job with that. Uh, Army breaking the streak last year. Navy's still favored in this game, but... You know, with uh, a worse record than Army. And then that will lead us right into bowl season. Well, Matt Wittenberg, this was fun. I knew we would get you through the Herm Edwards era, you know, the groundbreaking era. <laughs> please, please, up, please don't. But yeah, that's it's still a little bit of a, a mourning period. So I just not knowing what Devils Digest is. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I just hope that was a joke. But I mean, I'm fairly confident it wasn't. So mm, we'll see. So well, yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in an interesting place right now. But I, two I, at Arizona least... <laughs> State alumni that we talked. You and the other guy we talked to over the weekend just. Hands to the heavens when Herb Edwards' name <laughs> got brought up. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it'll work out. I don't yeah. know. Bowl Thank, season is upon us, though. We'll thankfully, see. some of those good games will, will distract me in the months ahead. So. They will. They will. All right. <laughs> Matt Wittenberg, Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again. All right. Huge thanks to Matt Wittenberg. Thanks again to him for coming on the show. Thanks again to Tim Adams for supplying the beats. Brian Nelson for supplying the logo. I do want to say one thing off the top as well. Prayers uh, to everybody who's been affected by the Southern California wildfires uh, near the Hollywood Hills area, now near the Getty. It's been moving fast. People uh, having to evacuate their homes, some freeway closures as well. So stay safe to everybody and uh, hats off again to the great work, the inspiring work that the LA Fire Department and all the fire departments are doing 
helping to uh, work with this. It's very tragic, and uh, hopefully we can all get through this and you know pick up the pieces in a little bit. But prayers off to them. Hope everyone's staying safe out there. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to Matt Wittenberg for talking college football next week. There will be uh, some great content to bring to you. Don't you worry. We got to dive into some more NFL talk. Season's heating up. Some big games again this weekend. Saints, Falcons, Rams, Eagles come to mind. And uh, we'll sort through all the suspensions there. Talk some winter sports, basketball, and hockey. You know, keep it moving. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I am Mitch Michaels. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, subscribe. Rate, rate the show. Leave a review. Do what you want to do there. But until next time, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying. Keep loving sports.